Hi, it's Joe Lowry. Welcome to another edition of the Global Lithium Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about different people's experiences around the world with shelter in place or lockdown or whatever they call it where you live. Basically, the limitations on the freedom to move about as you so choose and different governments have implemented it different ways, but everybody has the same intention and that's to fight the spread of the coronavirus. You know, last week we talked about uh, the coronavirus with respect to the lithium markets and EV demand, the economy, et cetera. This time we're just more talking about, uh, how people are dealing with the experiences of having to spend extended periods of time in their own homes and how they're coping with it. And I think you're going to hear a lot of uh, interesting uh, tidbits today. And with that, I'm going to get started. I'm going to cluster the short segments in groups. Um, first, we have... Uh, Chris Berry, who is no stranger to the Global Lithium Podcast. Chris is sheltering in place, not in his hometown of New York City, but in Washington, D.C. He's going to tell you why, and he's going to tell you a little bit about uh, how he is constructively using this time. After Chris, the hardest working guy at Benchmark, but not the hardest working person at Benchmark. Big Ben Ash will send his thoughts from the UK. And then I'm going to follow that up with Gene Morgan, who will be speaking to us from Bolivia. Gene runs the Landes, the podcast sponsor, and uh, he has some interesting perspectives and his movie reference, you're going to actually hear again later on in the podcast, which I thought was interesting. Of all the movies people could talk about, two people mentioned the same movie. So listen for that. And with that, I'm going to leave you to Chris, Big Ben Ash, and Gene Morgan. Hey, Joe. Thanks for the opportunity to catch up. I'm speaking to you today from Washington, D.C., where I'm ensconced with my family and my in-laws. We got out of Brooklyn a few weeks ago, and it looks like it may be some time until we're able to get back. I guess I'd like to start by asking your listeners a question. What is the one thing that you're looking forward to today? My daughters are both home from school indefinitely, and we're all adjusting to class via video conference. This has also added a new responsibility to my day in particular as head teacher for both of them. So for me, the one thing is the opportunity to teach geometry to my 12-year-old and teach the difference between homonyms and synonyms and antonyms to my 8-year-old. This is definitely something I did not foresee doing in 2020, and it's been a really interesting and positive experience. My 12-year-old and I actually have a tradition where we read the front page of the New York Times together, and although the headlines are pretty bleak these days, it's both a challenge and an opportunity for me as a father to help explain and contextualize what's happening, although I'm not sure I even understand sometimes. So other than desperately needing a haircut, I'm in great shape, and I just want to take a moment to give a huge shout-out to any frontline workers, regardless of your line of work out there right now. You're fulfilling a critical role in our economy and are more appreciated than ever. Thanks again for the opportunity, and stay safe to all of the listeners uh, wherever you are. 
This is Ben Ash with Benchmark Mineral Intelligence and this is my contribution to the Global Lithium Guide to Sheltering in Place. Now key for me has definitely been just embracing the situation and using this time to achieve goals. Now this can mean anything from picking up a musical instrument that you've been meaning to learn or practice, uh, honing your culinary skills in the kitchen, uh, attacking that pile of books that you've been meaning to, DIY tasks around the house, all the things that you put off in everyday life or feel you don't have the time to do now is a great time to do it and it's really important for your mentality as well and just by achieving goals goes a great way to get you through this period so i'd just like to wish everybody stay safe and look forward to seeing you all soon hi joe and listeners as we find ourselves in this pretty unusual circumstance I'd like to share two thoughts on how I'm attempting to cope with the peculiarities of the moment. First, it's easy to find yourself counting down the quarantine days to a deadline that seems to be ever extending. Instead, try to embrace it for what it is, a rare moment in our lifetimes that, no matter how ugly the reasons, you would always look back on to remember what you were doing at this time. Make it memorable for the right reasons. If you have kids, it's likely they'll also look back to remember the quality time they had with you. And that's a rarity in our fast-paced world. Second, it's likely you're watching a lot more movies nowadays to pass the time, so it's good to capture the wisdom they bring. For me, the current situation most resembles a cross between being Bill Murray in Groundhog Day and Adam Sandler in the movie Click. My important takeaways from those movies is that there are just some things which will always be outside of our control, like a pandemic. And the best thing to do is to accept the fact and try to make the best of the new reality. It's likely the world is going to be a different place to work and live in after all this is over, so why not start adjusting now? Another takeaway is the professional and business opportunity we've been presented with. So it's like being Adam Sandler having just been given the life remote by Christopher Wren and we've pressed pause on the world. It's a chance to develop those new business ideas or professional development ready for when we get through this. Because we will, and you will be grateful having got a head start while the world sat and waited for you. So I hope everyone is keeping in good health and spirits. Let's all be grateful for the combined sacrifice everyone is making at this moment, especially that of our health workers. Good day, and thanks for the opportunity to share my thoughts. The next group of guests include the biggest feat in lithium, Alexei Zawatsky, who uh, recorded uh, his segment uh, while kayaking towards sunset last night. After Alexei, you're going to hear from somebody that you may not have heard of before, but he's a 25-year friend of mine from Sydney, Australia. And most Aussie listeners... uh, wouldn't be aware that Alex Rubin has probably sold more lithium chemicals in Australia than anyone else alive. Alex worked for Bisley and Company, actually still does, and uh, I worked with him when I was at FMC because Bisley uh, did our distribution in Australia. Alex has remained a close friend of mine for 25 years. We've kind of watched each other's kids grow up. And uh, I wanted to include him in this episode of the podcast. He is followed by another Aussie, Stu Crow, the chairman of Lake Resources. And Stu 
got in just under the wire. I was about to publish this episode when Stu was kind enough to send me his thoughts. So I have uh, done a little re-recording of uh, this uh, this introduction, and we'll include Stu here. So enjoy uh, the thoughts of our next three guests. Hey, Joe. It's Alexi here from Lithium Americas. Coming to you from just outside of Vancouver, Canada. And I'm out here in my kayak, um, watching the sunset, which has been pretty, pretty nice. Doing a lot of backcountry stuff during this self-isolation part of our lives, which has been pretty, pretty sweet. But uh, the other thing I've been doing is uh, I'm a vegetable gardener and I plant my own vegetables have done for a long time and I find that to be particularly relaxing taking breaks throughout the day watering my seedlings and that sort of thing but I think this year it's going to be pretty important given uh, the uncertainty with supply chains and that sort of thing so stepped it up quite a bit this year planted a lot more than I usually do but that is what I've been doing spending time in the backcountry and growing vegetables so wow nothing's really changed that much Anyways, Joe, I hope uh, everything's good with you, and I hope to see you guys soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, Joe. Instead of having our semi-regular meetings in various parts of the world, more recently I've had to be content to settle in and watch your videos and listen to your dulcet tones online. Because I live in Sydney, Australia, a continent that's isolated by the tyranny of distance and the sheer luck of the recent bushfires, in inverted commas, that ravaged our great brown land and hugely reduced the inbound tourism to Australia, therefore reducing the number of COVID-19 carriers coming here, our infection rates and deaths are amongst the lowest per capita in the world. Naturally, living in a major metropolis where you sp the spread of COVID-19 is not rampant, I consider us to be very lucky. We've got restrictions that allow us to have a modicum of social interactions with our friends and relatives when compared to countries under complete lockdown where they simply can't leave their homes besides the absolute necessities. All Australians are required to stay at home unless absolutely necessary to go outside. However, we are permitted to leave home for exercise in public parks, limited to no more than two people, we can provide care and support to other people and places outside your home. We can go to work if you can't work from home. This of course means that our new norm is keeping visitors to a minimum. We've had to stop shaking hands or kissing to greet others, which is very strange for a person like me from European extraction. We've had to avoid non-essential travel, which for a citizen of the world like you, Joe, is one of the strangest things. I know. Social distancing is not being able to touch someone like my mother or father or staying put. It's just not in my DNA. There's little doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic is having a cataclysmic impact on our lives, no matter where you may live. Our work, our social routines have been usurped and the mainstream media keeps reminding us that we must live in fear of becoming infected with a virus that is massively contagious and potentially lethal. I'm sure that my sentiments 
are like so many other people and my situation resembles the theme of the classic movie Groundhog Day. Repetition of the same activities over and over each day. After all, sheltering at home can be limiting. But for me, personally, my daily routines have not seen a major upheaval. Thankfully, my daily routines have been adaptable to the work environment shaped by the COVID-19 crisis. I still get up at the same time in the morning, get ready for the day and log on. One major change is that the internet bandwidth is not as good at home as it was at work. And with teenagers doing home study, it is being tested. Nevertheless, this change has allowed me to spend more time with the kids and affords me more time for my passion for playing guitars. After all, I'm not sitting in one to two hours of traffic each day. I do miss going to the gym in the morning, but a nice substitute for that's been morning walks with my wife and a chance to catch up more than we've been used to doing for the past 20 years. So there is a silver lining in all of this. I trust that you're also managing to use this time for quiet reflection and positive changes in your life. And I look forward to catching up with you again soon so we can exchange more life stories and uh, do that in one of our epic seven-hour lunches. And until then, always your friend, Alex. Hey, Joe, this is Stu Crow. Um, I'm coming to you from my pantry where I've been hiding, trying to not wake everyone up. It's three o'clock in the morning, but it wasn't very successful. I've just had my two young children come in beside themselves with excitement because they've just woken up and discovered that the Easter Bunny's been at our house and there's Easter eggs all over the place. So how good's that? And you know, in a time of uncertainty and unknown, I've taken the opportunity to flip that and just look at things that I can deal with that I do know about and that I'm certain about and come back to self and just reflect, particularly over Easter, on all those things that I'm grateful for. And that's my, my family, obviously, and, uh, and my friends. And the one thing I've gained out of being a part of this industry over the last three or four years and a newcomer to the lithium space is what a, a wonderful group of people that we have and how many great friendships I've developed and how grateful I am for that. And uh, things like this podcast that help educate me and so many others on everything that's going on in this space and the opportunities that are out there. And uh, yeah, I'm really grateful. And I've taken this opportunity over Easter particularly to be really quite reflective and just focus on all the good things because there's a lot of bad going on out there. And I just, I send best wishes to everyone who's listening all across the world and just stay safe and take care and uh, hold on to those close to you because that's more important than anything else. So on that note, we will look forward to catching up at some stage in the near future, Joe, and to everyone else out there, stay safe and uh, catch up very soon. Thanks, Joe. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Zolandes, a Brinefield services company providing real-time, actionable data that is saving both exploration companies and producers money in both drilling and completion activities. Find them at www.zolandes.com. Z-E-L-A-N-D-E-Z dot com. The second half of this episode is much more traditional in that I interview first 
my elder daughter, Erin, and her husband, Joe, from New York, which is the epicenter of the outbreak in the United States. And they live in the most impacted of the New York boroughs, which is Queens. So I think you'll find uh, their perspective uh, interesting. And uh, they're fouled by uh, my younger daughter, Kaylin, who lives in Los Angeles. And uh, she uh, was actually with me right before I went on my last trip. I was stopped in L.A. on the way to Tokyo she helped me get some N95 masks because my driver Philip from my ex-driver Philip from Shanghai insisted that I go to Asia with masks in hand. And uh, so you get Kalen's perspective. Um, and then uh, I'll come back and close out this episode. So we're here with my daughter, Erin Lowry, who has been on the podcast before. And my favorite son-in-law, <laughs> whose name is Joe Blank, because we don't disclose his name on the podcast. It's the worst kept secret in the social media universe. But hey, if my daughter wants to maintain that fiction, I'm not going to dispute it. Well, and also no one pronounces it like it's spelled. So I guess that's helpful too. Well, if Joe wants to reveal his last name later, we will give him the opportunity to do that. So, mystery man, <laughs> Aaron and Joe, how long have you been sheltering in place? We, uh, I would say since about March, March 16th has been the, the New York City shelter in place. Well, we had to look at a calendar. I don't know that that's when they formerly told us to, but it was highly, it was getting encouraged at that point in the game. That was the first day that school was officially canceled. Oh, okay. So. Then I take it back. We definitely were told the to shelter in place then if school is canceled. Yeah, I thought the I thought the uh, order to shelter in place, if you or the suggestion to shelter in place happened a bit before that. I, I, I know it did here, but uh, okay. So, so full disclosure, I wasn't in New York City a bit before that. I was in Nashville, right. Tennessee for the days leading up to school getting canceled. I got back. I mean, it everything went sideways when I was out of town, essentially. That weekend, that weekend we were told to not go to bars, not go to restaurants. Yeah. There was no official, you need to stay home. But And so, like Joe, since you teach in the uh, New York City public schools, when did they tell you not to come to work? So uh, Sunday night when de Blasio made his, uh, he, he gave a, a, a news conference to, to the whole city and he was like, yeah, schools will be shut down until I think it was April 20th was the first date they gave us. And we were, we were told to come in for a couple of days of just teachers, just, just the teachers, a couple of days of learning how to do the online learning process. But yeah, March 16th was our first official day off. And it was March 15th when they told us not to come in. And then the kids were quote unquote back in school. And by that, we mean remote learning the following week. So the kids had a week break while the teachers figured out how to do remote learning. And they also had, I think they said 300,000 students that were without the equipment to be able to do remote learning. So the city had to figure out how to get them laptops and internet. A lot of that first week was, was handing out laptops, seeing what kids had smartphones and internet capabilities. And a lot of that was just, I think logistical stuff. And then we were able to start the actual teaching on March 23rd. 
Well, isn't it also the case in your school that some of the kids at least get more than one meal a day there and mm -hmm. closing yeah. schools down had food ramifications for a lot of the students? Can you tell me a little bit about that? I'm actually not too sure what they're doing now, but yeah, a lot of our kids get free breakfast and lunch through our school and a snack throughout the day. So that was another thing they had to figure out was how are we going to get these kids uh, meals because they, they continue that that service over the summer as well. They have sites now where kids can go or their parents can go to pick up meals if the meals are needed. The, fir the very first week you could go to wherever your particular school was and then moving forward they had to set up sites for it and then they have a contactless handoff situation there. Okay so you've been cooped up in your house or apartment since you live in the most, the epicenter of the virus in the United States and in the most impacted borough of the city of New York, and you live in a, I won't be judgmental and say a small apartment, but let's say a less than expansive apartment. What has been the hardest thing for you to do living there, being there almost 24 seven? I just want to clarify that it is a thousand square foot apartment, so it's not that small, okay? It's like a ranch style house in a lot of the parts of the country. Luckily, it's a very, we're, we got a very long apartment where I can be in one end of the apartment and Erin can be in the other, and I can be as loud as I'd like and she usually won't hear me. Well, not as loud as I'd yeah, like. Yeah, that's definitely can... not true, but it's a, what they call a railroad style apartment in the sense of it's very long as opposed to all really condensed. So it has been nice that we, and luckily it's technically a three bedroom apartment, but what we've done is we turned what would be the master bedroom in the front of the apartment into a den anyway, that's already how it was set up. So that's where Joe works during the day. And I have my own office because I always work from home. So for me, this has had very little change to my lifestyle, except for now he's home all day. So, so we just kind of respect the boundaries of work and then We'll do one very long walk during the day with our dog, and we walk in a direction that's away from where populated areas of our neighborhood are. Our neighborhood, we're very fortunate, even though Queens is the epicenter, our neighborhood particularly actually has some of the lowest case counts in the borough of Queens, but we are surrounded by three of the highest, so it is potentially eminent if we're not careful. How far are you from a hospital? Oh, we could we could get to a hospital in probably a 15 minute walk. Yeah, our old apartment, same neighborhood, but our old apartment was around the corner from a hospital and that hospital is the second hardest hit with cases in all of New York City. Okay, so, so kind of good we don't live there anymore. <laughs> has there been any positive aspect for the two of you from being forced <laughs> to be near each other for 24 hours a day? Well, I'm, I've been practicing my baking and cooking skills. Uh, I, I made did a, see the uh, social media images of your chicken wings and they did look primo, I, I must say that. Yeah, I made a, I made a, a pretty stellar uh, batch of chicken wings yesterday. Gonna be cooking up some banana bread this weekend and I'm making sauce and meatballs on Sunday, so. Uh, I, you know, just, it's been fun cooking and kind of just embracing that. Um, it's made us work on our communication skills a little bit because we are around each other the whole day. So we pretty much know how each other's day went. 
uh, before we even ask. So we have to come up with yeah, you can't default to those more basic interesting topics. questions. Well, I will say the one thing that's been nice for me is that I think you have a better understanding of what I do during the day, what yeah. my job entails, and then also that doing the type of work I do isn't always enjoyable because Joan normally gets to be standing in front of a classroom talking and moving and not sitting in front of a computer. So that was a tough transition I think, for you. I think the, the, the most eye-opening thing was the first day of online learning and I had four Zoom calls. And I said to Aaron, I was like, yeah, when you tell me your day was just bombarded with conference calls and, and, pot and meetings and all that stuff, I now know what she means, that they just take up the whole entire day. Yeah. Okay, next question. What scares you the most about this entire viral event? Well, you or mom or our in, my in-laws, Joe's parents, getting the virus because you're all in the more susceptible demographic. Well, you know, I, you disputed one of my comments, so I'm going to dispute one of yours. It usually is framed as 65. So <laughs> sure. I am still a mere boy in terms <laughs> of viral risk. All right. Well, do you think that what you've gone through the last several weeks and what you're going to probably be going through for six more weeks will change any way that you live when this is over? Yep, we'll have a year's worth of an emergency fund moving forward after this. Oh, you hear our dog. So I personally will be slightly more conservative with cash based on the fallout of this experience and that my business got hit very quickly because a lot of what I do to earn money is speaking engagements. And then also a lot of companies started freezing budgets. A lot of outlets that I write for started freezing budgets and I will be fine, but it also made me very aware of how we tend to put a lot of money into the stock market as opposed to having a lot of liquid cash. Cause I'm generally confident like, ah, I can make money. And now it's like, well, maybe my job isn't quite as recession-proof as we thought, depending on also what the triggering cause is. I agree with that. I think, um, we, and we had had a couple of conversations when this all started about, you know, money and savings and what all this would mean for us moving forward. But I think having, I think for, for a lot of people trying to have some sort of buffer of an emergency, you know, I know yeah. a year for a lot of people is difficult, but at least two, three months. Okay, so just, I don't want to get into the, the money planning thing here, but uh, what was your emergency fund before this? And was it a percentage of your monthly income or your monthly living expenses? So before this, we had about three months worth of living expenses, but at our normal lifestyle level, which is obviously not the lifestyle that you live when you're in a crisis situation financially. So I would say we have four to five months worth of bare bones, bare essentials, paying all the bills, put food on the table type living expenses. So when I say a year's worth of cash, I don't mean you know, us living the best versions of our life and like funding all of our savings accounts the way we normally do, it would be more being able to pay all of our bills without any cause of concern. And also, for me, that also means that my business would have a stronger emergency fund 
than it currently did when this started. What, okay, one more follow-up. So given the type of job you have, have you, are, do you plan to avail yourself of any of the governmental programs to protect uh, workers who are impacted? I personally don't because I don't, I can kind of qualify, but I still am making money and I'm still making okay money. Yeah. And it's harder for me to show loss because I'm not an S corp, I'm an LLC. So I can't fire myself from my own company or stop a payroll. So it's just logistically a, hot, a lot harder for me to prove than some of my friends who just have their businesses structured in different ways. And as a teacher, luckily nothing, nothing has changed for us. Everything is, is, you know. That's the nice thing about a stable job. Well, that's been a very interesting thing of this type of a, pandemic into a recession is the fact that jobs that were formerly thought of as recession proof no longer necessarily are recession proof. And, you know, a good example. Whoops. I think you guys froze. Okay. Are you back? Yeah. Okay. It's all the time. It's one of the interesting things about doing a podcast on zoom when everybody's trying to use the internet at the same time. Yeah, ours is also tells us it's unstable all the time and we pay for like the best possible Wi-Fi. So that's frustrating. Okay. I am going to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions and then we'll close this segment out. So what are you two binge watching right now? Well, we finished Shit's Creek. We finished Shit's Creek. Highly recommend. We finished Tiger King. Yep. Um, we're I've, watching the comeback. We're watching the comeback. I'm rewatching The Sopranos. I've also been catching up on the Real Housewives franchises in various forms. Also, recommend uh, watching old Bills games on NFL Game Pass, especially the ones they won, which is very... I was going to get to that, but uh, thank you for uh, bringing that up. And uh, I don't want to make it sound like all you guys do is watch TV, but uh, it sounds like you're getting a fair share of uh, screen time. All right, Joseph... Who is your favorite historical figure and why? Favorite historical figure is I'm going to, I'm going to be that guy and have a tie. The first one is FDR. I love teaching about, uh, I love teaching about the new deal because I feel as if that was a time when Americans were really down uh, and, and new deal FDR comes in and, and I feel like, you know, tries to save the day. Also his world war II leadership was, you know, Pretty, pretty solid. I also you love teaching should, about Muhammad Ali, especially you during- clarify you oh, teach U.S. history. I teach U.S. history, yes. Uh, and Muhammad Ali is, I think, a lot more than a sports figure. I think learning about his political activism and- you know, Okay. And to bring this to a close, Aaron, if you could have any person who has ever lived over for dinner, who would it be? and why so here's actually an interesting plot twist i don't know the name of the person (laughs) because it would be our ancestors that came over from ireland and they came during a famine during and came into a country where they weren't particularly welcome and i we don't know a whole lot about that trajectory and i would just be really curious to know what made them 
take the risk? What was happening with their family? Did all of their family come? Did half of them stay back? And I think it would be very cool for them to see what their lineage turned into in terms of our family today. Okay, so if you're saying you're gonna, you wanna pick a, one of your ancestors who came over on a boat from Ireland, what age, you had various ages of ancestors who came over. Would you wanna talk to an adult, a teenager, or? That's a good question. I think it would be more interesting to speak to an adult because, oh goodness, our dog's working again. I think that you then had a full life that you were living that you had to give up and restart as opposed to when you're slightly younger, it can be easier to restart. Okay, and also the adult had to make the call. Yeah. And the kid just kind of had to go along with the ride, I guess. All right, guys, thank you for, uh, Joe, for your first appearance on the Global Lithium Podcast. And it was a pleasure. Aaron, thank you for your second. And if you're on one more time, you'll have tied your sister. Excellent. So with that, I'm going to bring this to a close. Thanks. Thanks. Our next guest is my daughter, Kaylin, who lives in Los Angeles. And actually, the last time I was with Kaylin was in late February as I was heading to Tokyo against the advice of who you're going to hear from next, my former driver, Philip Wu. And uh, Kaylin was kind enough to take me to buy some N95 masks before I whisked my way to Japan. Do you recall that day? Does it seem like a long time ago? It was like a few years ago at this point, but yeah, we went to Pasadena's Home Depot, not Home Depot. What kind of home store was that? Ace Hardware. It was an Ace Hardware, exactly. But we were already running low in LA on N95s and hadn't really uh, been told to stay home yet. And now I have ordered nine masks online, cloth ones, and uh, haven't gotten shipping notifications on any of them, so I don't know if I'll ever be able to cover my face properly. Well, I don't know if I told you, but the chairman of Gangfen's son, who also went to USC, is in Los Angeles, and his dad sent him a whole box of masks. And he I believe offered it. Them, he offered them to us if we, we need them. So See, having spent, what have I spent on them? I've spent about $65 on trying to get masks. So I'm hoping something comes through in the next week here because now in LA, you're not allowed to go into businesses if you're not having your face covered and any bandana I've tried makes me feel like I'm suffocating. So I'm waiting for the um, properly made ones to come through. Okay, well, let's just harken back to that. February day that we I can't remember we ate dinner over by the down the edge of downtown and when I thought oh, about yes. The, yes, yes. When I thought about the whole virus situation I didn't really take it all that seriously and when I got to Japan it still seemed like a China thing and when did you when were you forced to shelter in place. March 20th, I think, 
Well, I've been working on contract at a large company that had a case. So we had to work from home before California in general was ordered to stay home. Um, let me see. Yeah, I think I, I was done on your birthday on the 19th and then the next day at night, um, our mayor said that the stay at home order would be taking place. I think sat like over the weekend, basically, he gave everyone a couple of days. Um, and then that was supposed to be lifted mid April. And we found out yesterday that that is officially extended to at least May 15th. So what has been the worst part of this whole thing for you? Well, I live alone and I think that's been the hardest part and maybe in some ways also the easiest part because a lot of my friends who either live with roommates or are living with their partners for the first time during this, I know that it uh, opens up another bag of worms. Um, I have been working and that's been good that I live alone because I'm in my living room all day on video calls. Um, it's also been a little challenging to try to get film production done remotely, um, which is something I've been doing for the last few weeks. But yeah, I think not having a clear end date is the hardest part for me. I, I'm someone who if you tell me like, okay, you'll be doing this until June 1st, it's a little bit easier for me to wrap my head around that. But I think in general in LA, we kind of feel like every couple of weeks they're going to be extending um, the stay-at-home order. And if we're told right now, hey, you'll be doing this through. So yesterday, you were extended to May 15th. Is that right? Or was yes. That okay. So, Which, you know, we're not super hopeful that May 15th is the real. Yeah, the real end point. Yeah. So what about this whole thing has scares you the most? Um, I mean, for me, be, again, because I live alone, I have been really careful about um, seeing people and going outside. I do know some people who are a little bit more comfortable going about more normal parts of their routine, but I think I kind of feel like if, if I end up getting this, it's going to be particularly bad since there's no one I'm seeing every day. Um, yeah, I think that's, I, that's scary. Um, I've also previously been diagnosed with an autoimmune uh, disease, so I'm a little bit more wary about getting something that's, uh, you know, not supposed to be good for people with those issues. And so being cooped up in your rather small mm -hmm. living space, do you see any positives of this experience? Can you think of anything? Yeah, I've actually been working on an essay. I think it's forced me to um, become a good roommate to myself, which sounds strange coming from a person who has lived alone for three years, but I've never really thought about it um, before. It's kind of forced me to take on a little bit more structure. Um, I've been, my yoga studio that I go to has done a really excellent job moving entirely online. Um, so I'm actually doing that a lot more than I ever have before. Um, most days I'm doing a yoga class or two. So that's been, you know. And how have you found 
spending so much of your time in meetings. I mean, I think that's something you're probably not really used to doing. Uh, well, this is my it's my third time on contract for the same um, job. But what's hard, I think, about the video meetings is, first of all, you see your own face. I've seen more of my own face through this process than I ever really like needed <laughs> to before. But I think it's also harder to get work done in the field that I'm in because it's not usually like group meetings that solve issues. Um, it's usually being able to go over to someone and ask a couple of questions individually and get things done. Um, so yeah, it, it is challenging kind of feeling like I'm a little tethered to my computer for from like 9am to 6pm. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to end this with the same rapid fire question. All right. That I asked your sister yesterday afternoon when I recorded with her. And that's if you could have anyone who has ever lived to dinner, who would that be? Right now or in general? Like to my apartment for dinner? <laughs> um, okay, you're as normal parsing a question that, uh, okay, let me, let me reframe it. Um, you can, the virus situation is over. You can invite anyone who has ever lived to dinner. You can take them to your favorite restaurant. Everything's paid for. It's just, who do you want to spend an evening with? Any person who's ever been alive. No pressure. Yeah. Um... Maybe, I don't know. What's your answer to that question? And, and remember, the title is Rapid Fire. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, honestly, there's not someone, I'm, I don't think I'm a big hero worshiper in the sense that there's someone like I have always, I think there are people I have a lot of respect for. Um, honestly, I have been watching a show called Outlander, and it's not someone from this show, but it's made me realize how little I know about our ancestors. Um, so I do think I'd like to have dinner with someone from my lineage from like 300, 400 years back. Do you realize, uh, you can't because you didn't, you weren't there, but that's almost exactly the same answer your sister gave. Yeah, well, well we she would want to meet with an Irish ancestor. So yeah, let me give you bonus points for quality of answer, if not speed, so. Well, I had to think about it. Yeah, I, Aaron and I were speaking about this recently too. I just okay. Feel well, like I don't, I don't know. Anyway, too I'm gonna bring this segment to a close and let you get on with your day. But well, I, I also failed to answer one thing that has made this hard is construction has is apparently an essential business and there's construction behind my building and now construction on the other side of my building. So all day, every day, I get to hear starting at 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. the glorious noises of construction. Okay, um, since, since you brought another aspect in, let me ask you another. I didn't ask you this question. You did mention Outlander, but what else have you been binge watching? 
I have been, I just started the leftovers. Um, right now I have pretty much every streaming option um, except for Apple TV Plus, which no offense, but I don't really know anyone who watches Apple TV. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I was watching Outlander. Uh, I got through most of that. Now I've started The Leftovers. I like it, but it might be a little bit dark for the present moment. Um, I've been doing more TV than movies, but I do want to kind of make a list of movies that I have gaps in seeing. I think most people have sort of like classic movie gaps and get through some of those as well. All right. Well, thanks for your time. Yeah. I know that since I'm three hours ahead of you, it was a little inconvenient to uh, get up before the crack of noon, but uh, hey. Hey, man. I've been getting up way earlier than the crack of noon this whole time. So. Well, with that, I'm going to leave you to it. Thank you for being on the podcast, and I really find it bizarre that you answered the question on who you... We would like to thank our sponsor, Zolandez for bringing this episode of the Global Lithium Podcast to you today. Zolandas prides itself on providing a new way of doing things in the lithium brine space. Are you tired of low-confidence data, lack of actionable insights, and multi-day turnaround? Then head to www.zolandas.com to learn more. Anybody who's happened to read uh, some of my personal blog or follow me uh, for a long time on social media has probably seen video clips uh, that I've posted sporadically um, of my driver uh, when I was living in Shanghai, Philip Wu. Philip was really a uh, part of the family and remains a close friend, and he actually still drives for me when I make trips to Shanghai. Uh, Philip pushed back a little bit on doing a segment for the podcast in English. He wanted to do it in Chinese, and I assured him that 98% uh, of my listeners wouldn't understand him uh, if he didn't speak English. So um, I asked Jim him to comment on a couple of things, and one was, what's life like now in Shanghai? And then... Uh, any advice uh, he has for people in countries that are still uh, in the middle of the virus situation. He spoke, he speaks quickly and he kind of runs the two topics together. But basically what Philip is telling us is that from his perspective, things are back to normal in Shanghai. You know, he has, uh, uh, he has to drive in a traffic jam every day, which means things are back to normal from his perspective. And, you know, he talks about the logistics being back to normal. And uh, then he transitions quickly to his advice, which is basically to us uh, stay inside for now and everything will be okay. Uh, but it's always good for me to hear Philip's voice. And um, I'm happy to now be able to say my good friend Philip is a podcast guest, albeit a brief one. Now, the situation in Shanghai is very good. We can go to the work in the company. Life is normal. The same traffic gym every day. The same takeout can be old. 
The logistics is also very normal. As long as you stay at home and don't go out, everything will be fine. I didn't intend for this episode to to be so long, but when you ask、uh, people to comment and they do you the courtesy of responding, I, I wanted to get everybody in, in with their comments in their entirety.、Um, I found the positive nature of everybody's comments.、Uh, it wasn't really a surprise. It was just a nice thing to、uh, hear the focus and how people are really. Taking this time as the positive it can be, more than、uh, looking at the negatives, and、uh, that's what I've been trying to do.、Uh, I've been in the house、uh, most of the time since March first, and that I got back、uh, from Japan on March first, and、uh, you know, basically went into a self quarantine because of、uh, all the different people from various countries I'd been exposed to while I was in Tokyo. And then when those fourteen days were up, by then we were in North Carolina already into、uh, the request to shelter in place. So it has been. I'm in week six now.、Um, I've really seen it. You know, this this really hasn't been hard for me. I I do get out a lot, and、uh, you know my wings are clipped. But you know I you know I understand why, and it, it's not really. Something I'm I'm worried about, and、uh, because I do live in an area that's、uh, got a lot of room to roam,、uh, I get out every day and、uh, doing a lot of exercise, reading a lot,、uh, and streaming a lot of videos. So、um, I don't think I can add any anything uh, to the uh, really positive、uh, commentary you heard from everybody. I think everybody's trying to make the best of the situation, and I think it's、uh, also, you know, it's Easter tomorrow.、Um, I'm a Christian, so I celebrate Easter, and、uh, I'm, you know, happy.、Uh, even though I can't go to church with my wife, we will bring church to us.、Uh, we will actually attend the Easter service via the internet、uh, from the. The chapel at St. Bonaventure University, where we were married, so we did that last week too.、Um, but、uh, I appreciate it if you got this far and understand it. If you didn't,、um, this really was a human podcast, not a lithium podcast. And with that, I'm just going to say God bless, and、uh, this will all be over, and we'll be looking back at it before too long.